Here we are at Three Gens Theology once again. Uh, you don't know it, but we took a little bit of a break from this. Uh, we do record these live. We don't really edit these, but we don't record them when you're watching it. <laughs> uh, but uh, a few a few uh, podcasts ago, Jim read this passage, Romans 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, uh, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And as I was listening to that podcast, that was, I think, maybe three or four podcasts ago now, as I was listening to that podcast, uh, Jim was actually in urgent care getting looked at um, because of some health concerns that he has been going through. And uh, so it was a, an interesting combo there of him talking about enduring um, suffering and seeing how that it is uh, actually something that is good. And, you know, so he was saying it in the podcast um, and then it was being put to the test in his life. Uh, so I, w- I both want to say I would encourage you to pray for Jim. He's got an, uh, he's he's had for years ongoing uh, pains, chronic things that that uh, are troublesome and painful and reoccurring and uh, all those words that you can come up with, he's got them. Uh, and so he has lived through those things but has had some, some more recent uh, added troubles um, that are ongoing, uh, are ongoing pains and things. But what happens is he actually lives out this character and hope uh, that supersede, I talk about that with the church, that uh, their life can be a mess, but we choose to look above that at, at, because what God has done supersedes that. And it's easy for me to say that from a pulpit or to say that on a podcast, uh, but what happens is when you live it in life, it is still true that you you do find that the hope you find in Jesus Christ supersedes the trouble of life. And so it's not that life isn't troublesome and there aren't hard things. It is that the truth of who Christ is and what he's done does supersede those things. And that hope does uh, win because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So we're Amen. talking about the Holy Spirit who has been poured out into our lives. Um, uh, but I, I just want to encourage you to pray for Jim uh, uh, over and over again if you can. Uh, and then also just to, to say that while we sit here and we chat about uh, theological truths, um, I want you to know it's not something that uh, is uh, a, a mental thing, an academic study. Uh, it is those things, uh, but it is much more. Um, uh, we we believe that Jesus Christ is is true and real, that the scriptures are the foundation of life, um, and that actually um, uh, we boast in the hope of the glory of God, as Romans 5 says. So I got to experience that uh, funny mix of... of uh, of hearing Jim read Romans 5 
in our podcast while he was in the urgent care. Uh, being living li- it. Being <laughs> living it. Yeah, right. So anyway, I wanted to share that today uh, and just to encourage you to pray for his health. Um, uh, as far as I know, nothing that he has is, is terminal stuff, but it is chronic, multiplied chronic pain. And uh, it, it's, it's been ongoing for years and, and over recent years has been multiplied things so m- multiples of chronic pain that, that he's <laughs> been that he's been going through right, right. and so I uh, encourage you to pray for him so let's pray father we come before you thank you for this time uh, we do bring uh, bring Jim before you Lord certainly uh, we have before we continue to pray and yet you've seen fit to allow these things in his life uh, you have uh, carried him along and your spirit has been poured out in his in his heart and uh, you have helped him to see that your your grace supersedes uh, mm. these these physical concerns. But we do pray, Lord, is our desire for that healing to come, of course. And you're able, we know it, uh, and yet you've seen fit to allow this. Um, we pray that you'd give wisdom, you'd give direction, uh, and and these and these things. Lord, we pray that today, as we speak of your Spirit, help us to do so accurately. And that we would uh, speak in a way that uh, amplifies your greatness and uh, shows the truth of who you are. Thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dan. Thanks for what you said as well. It is wonderful to have the experience of the power of Christ literally tabernacling upon me, being in the, the sphere of his protection, his grace, and his strength. Now imagine that you received a beautiful gift, and the giver of the gift took the time to carefully explain how the gift was to be used. Suppose then that you decided to ignore everything that you were told and try to do it yourself. Come up with your own way of trying to use this and in the process abuse it misuse it, and uh, create all kinds of confusion. Whose fault is it? Well, (laughs) is it the fault of the maker of the gift? No. Is it the fault of the giver of the gift? No. Whose fault is it? Well, it's yours. And that's one of the issues that we have to think about as we're dealing with spiritual gifts. The one who provided them, the one who planned for them to be in the church and to be part of it had a specific way in which they were to be used. And yet they were misused and abused so early in the church that it created incredible confusion. And so part of our purpose is to help you to be able to think through the spiritual gifts as they're presented in Scripture and to see how we should use them and what will, in fact, prevent confusion and damaging of the glory of God in the church by our misuse of them. Grandpa, I I couldn't help, but there was a uh, the Highly Theological Office show uh, there's a funny Christmas uh, <laughs> Christmas episode where Dwight starts receiving uh, all these metal pieces. 
And so he's he's putting them together, and there's no instructions yet, but he's putting them all together. And uh, at one point, he he's holding this thing up, and it's got tape and and rubber bands and all stuff. And he's he's like, "Well, whoever sent, whoever sent me a gun forgot to send me a trigger, right?" <laughs> and so he's all he's all frustrated. And then uh, and it ends up being Michael is the secret Santa, and he brings them over uh, the instruction book, right? And he puts it all together and realizes it's a nutcracker. It's there this giant this giant thing, and you and you you know crack nuts with it, but. It's a, I, I was laughing as you were giving your, your illustration here because it's, it's the same thing. You, you described it well, but, you know, sometimes with, with gifts, we feel like, well, I'm gifted here and here and here. But that might not be exactly how God gifted you, right? Exactly. Uh, and so we need the instruction book, Scripture, to guide us, to God to guide us and show us what, uh, we what, sure are, do. what are there. <laughs> anyway, you know, the highly theological office. Highly theological yeah. illustration, yeah. yes. <laughs> That's good. Well, as we think about the gifts that have been given to us, as we're going to look at these passages that are here, we're going to we're going to start with one that is a little different from the others. It is definitely a list of gifts given to us, mm-hmm. but it is a little different from the others, and that is in Ephesians four, where 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 the church is given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and the purpose of that is for the equipping of the saints, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, this one's a little different because it's not um, a spiritual gift given to a person necessarily, but rather it is gifts given to the church uh, as a whole, um, and it's, it's, I, w- I would call them role gifts, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily what we think of when we think of spiritual gifts, right? right? Um, and so they're roles that people are called to um, that that God has given as a gift to the church, right? Now that's always dangerous wording because a pastor is not is God's gift to the church, but a pastor is not God's gift to the church. <laughs> that's a da- that's dangerous wording, you know. Uh, uh, but but it is set up that way that that God has has given as a gift these different roles to the church. And so uh, what it sets out there in Ephesians 4, um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and then pastors and teachers, which we would look at um, um, both combined and separate, pastors mm-hmm. and teachers. Uh, pastors are teachers, but there are other teachers than pastors, right? That, that would be uh, pastors and teachers is... Uh, you're not going to be a pastor without being a teacher, but there are other teachers as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that that uh, passage is 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 great because it is um, certainly a a gift given by the Spirit, but it is a little distinct from the others that we that we see. Actually, the the interesting thing, Dan, is that we are told that Christ has given these roles the or gifts to the church which sets them a little differently in Scripture than the rest than because the rest are all described spirit. as being from the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, the word that's used for gift here is actually one like giving a gift to someone, a present, right. which is a, uh, a little different than some of the other terms that we find along the way. Uh, some of you might be asking, well, he named apostles and prophets in that list, and yet you've kind of hinted that maybe apostles and prophets aren't in the church today. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. We're actually going to talk in detail about the reasons that we believe many of these gifts are no longer given. But they were necessary in the early church. 
They had to have the apostles at that time. They had to have prophets to speak forth the word of God to the church because the New Testament was not yet complete. They didn't have that to refer to. And so God provided these gifted individuals to the church to accomplish the purpose of ministering to the saints so they themselves could serve. And I, I don't. I think even the the one evangelist. I think it is um, uh, almost lost in our current mm-hmm. use. Uh, not that it's not there. Right. I think we've just stopped culturally, maybe the use of it. Um, I, I don't think it has to be the the traveling evangelist. Mm-hmm. I think that is a use of it. But that doesn't have to be what it is. Um, but um, it's it's a, it's it, it is a strange um, proclaimer, um, a, a proclaimer that is a role that is healthy for the church. Right. You know. Right. Um, that we we really haven't uh, seen utilized. Right. We in, don't in emphasize re, in it recent the way we in should. recent days in the church, but that doesn't mean it's not biblically valid. We actually had in our church uh, up until a couple years ago an evangelist. Chris Ray was an evangelist. I believe he was a gifted right. evangelist who spoke to the church frequently, asking for permission to do so, right. so that he could share how the Lord had used him at. A state fair or some other place right. in giving but he, but out that the gospel. wasn't a role that wasn't a that's a hard one to say he was gifted that way but um, it's a strange it is a strange thing that the the role for the church uh, it's a we've done it badly I think I, I, I think, think that's so. the thing I think the I church think has so. done it badly right yeah um, I, you know, the, uh, the church I grew, the church I grew up in Bethesda had a pastor of um, evangelism um, that um, wasn't about uh, public proclaiming at all. He was he was about going to homes and sharing the gospel, going mm-hmm. to hospitals and sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that may be the closest that I've seen. Um, maybe really fulfilling that at a church at a particular church level. Do you know what I mean? For yes. a, for a role setting. Now I think Chris fulfilled it without the recognition. Without the recognition, yes, right? Without exactly. the without the role. Yes. Um uh, but and I don't think he would have t- taken on a pastoral uh or staff role anyway. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I so I, there are people who are gifted in evangelism that aren't necessarily in the role. I, I guess I think that's a funny one where I think there are people who are gifted in evangelism that aren't necessarily fulfilling this, this, that role. this role, this yes. gifted role. But don't you think, Dan, that we're, we're struggling with this because of the fact that the church has stumbled in this area? Oh, yeah. We haven't taken advantage of what God has intended the evangelist to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you have an evangelist, an individual in the church who's definitely gifted that way, who could encourage the church to evangelize, 
demonstrate how it's done, disciple people in evangelism. Mm -hmm. We would recognize that as a role, an active role in the life of the church. But generally, that's not done. One of those things, even what you're saying, I don't think typically those who would fill that role of the evangelist are necessarily great at discipling others to to do it. So I think that's one of those areas of failure is they're busy doing it, and somebody's going to have to come along and learn it exactly from them doing it almost like a tradesman <laughs> right but i do think there's something of control i think the idea of apostle prophet in the time when it was used was an area of authority and control it makes sense pastors teachers there's an area of authority control where it 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 makes sense uh, hierarchically so, oh, oh, you're right you're right in a higher hierarchy where does evangelists fit in in that hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. And and how does it how does it fit on an, on an org chart, which is weird to say about a church, you know what I mean? But highly, highly biblical, org right? Chart. Right, <laughs> but it is it's it's fumbly in that way, but it's here. It's biblical that that an evangelist is given as a as a role gift within the church within the church. Yes, right. Yes. Um, yeah, and so it's it's not only underused, it's abused, and and we need to yeah. think more right. biblically so about I, what it means that we have. Right. Them. So I would I I personally believe that that is an area that that is a spiritual gift, as we think of it as a spiritual gift mm-hmm. in individuals that some are gifted in evangelism, whether it is more public or 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 more direct. Um. But I don't think that's what this passage is talking about. I think this passage is, is including it in the role ideas, mm-hmm. and um, that's been that's been kind of ugly. I think throughout the church, maybe time, but yeah. it, it is certainly ugly now how, how it's used. It's it's definitely misused I, I, or I, not. I used, do think let's put the, it that the way. idea of traveling evangelist has been valuable. Uh-huh. In, within the the church, um, um, but I think most of them have become traveling um, preachers, traveling teachers, maybe more so than traveling evangelists. I don't know how to differentiate that, but, yeah, I, but I, 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 it's just not happening much now at all. I think no, at, at e- all. Even but evangelists even, but even are, are disappearing. But even so. when it's happening, it's a it's a um, it's a revelation conference. It's a, you know, what I mean, it's a, right. it's a teaching. But conference. if if the evangelist and and some evangelists in the past did this very well, if the evangelist is not on, is not considered to be the person who is brought in so that we can bring in friends and relatives and he will preach them to Christ. But if the idea is that the evangelist coming is uh, is preparing the people of the church themselves to do evangelism. Exactly. Yep. That would seem to be a very uh, uh, effective the, the, role. The in role the gifts the are given to, for the building up of the body of Christ, the, right. the equipping of the saints, the equipping of the saints for the building up of the body of Christ, right? right? Um, not so much that the church is a hospital for people to come and get fixed, but for, for us to be prepared to go out with the gospel, right? Right. That's right. It is good to bring people here to hear the gospel, that's for sure. Uh, but that's not the main point of it, right? Right. I, Dad, I think you've done a, 
I, I had a question and then I think you kind of answered it, but I'll go ahead and ask it just in case others are thinking it. So the way you've kind of defined it, obviously we look at pastor teacher and we see, we would see now and, and when this was written, we would see a pastor teacher given to each church that each church would basically have a pastor teacher. We would see that apostles prophets are, are not, in a church hierarchy, but in a global church hierarchy, mm-hmm. the way you've kind of communicated about evangelists almost sounds like you're saying that in when Ephesians was written, that there would be an evangelist for each church. Is that what you're saying? Or no, I think this, I guess the, I, I think in the order you see this, it gets more personal as it goes, more individual as it goes. Um, and, um, so I, I, think evangelists would be more local than apostles in this list, but not necessarily individual church. Okay. Since but, we we but, do see some I, of the apostles, or some of the, the deacons, for example, uh, witnessing very effectively, they're doing the work of the evangelist. In fact, that's what Timothy right. was commanded to do, do the work right. of an evangelist. Right. But... We don't really have enough information from the book of Acts, for example, to know whether there was a specific office of evangelist in local churches. We have to remember that this list includes the apostles who you emphasized rightly were not directly related to the local church, except they were involved in helping to start them, and they were above and ministering to them. If that's true, then as we recognize these gifts being given to the body of Christ, as individual churches formed, the question that's left then is, were there offices within each of those young local churches that you would refer to as the evangelist of the church, the one who gave out the evangel, the gospeler? And I think to be clear, the the whether there's a evangelist in each church or not, it is not the uh, defining thing of our entire theology here. It's a, it was a, more of a, a side a side question. Yeah. That, well, to, to get caught up in the weeds on this, at is, some point is we're going to get point. to church government in our right. theological thing. But I, I'm a I'm a much more f- I'm very flexible in my church government thought. I I know different people have like it must be this way and it must be that way. Right. I, I'm I I think there could be a pastor over multiple churches. I think there could be multiple pastors over a church. <laughs> but I'm not necessarily for a a a multiple elders run church. Uh but I'm not going to war against it either. Do you know what I mean? I'm it's it's uh, I'm I'm pretty flexible on on that. I think God has called he has called people to serve in these roles. For the church. Now, how many of them are at a church? Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, Pastor Willis and I served as co-pastors for a time. And in that sense, we were a multi-elder church. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, didn't view us as a multi-elder church. We were just two men who were called as pastors uh, that served together, you know. So, um, uh, honestly, we're still a multi-elder church because you're a pastor. You know what I mean? There's right. no doubt you're a pastor. Uh, so even though I'm a senior and you're a youth, okay, we're still multi-elder, you know what I mean? Right. So, um, 
and uh, it, it so I, I'm I'm much more flexible in in what I think is biblical. Um, what the I think what the Bible allows for in in government is is uh, is I think much more flexible in. And I think there are a few things that are uh, a few things that are clear, and the way those apply, I think, are are that's just uh, if you get to what does it mean for evangelists? I think there could be seven in a church, and I think there could be one for an entire area. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's I think it's uh, as far as the role. You know what I mean? The role. So and there, I, you go, there you go. Going back to to your your comment about the weeds, Cy, um, I'm sure that there are people who are very confused about what evangelists are, what they're about, what they're doing, and so it's really helpful for us to take a few minutes, I think, to talk about that. Even if the result is that we come off a little bit unclear as to exactly what we believe the per, the place of the evangelist is in the church today. Right. So moving on, um, one of the most important and certainly the longest passage dealing with spiritual gifts is that of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. This church comes to mind when I do an illustration like the one I did at the start of our podcast today because Paul was very concerned about the way in which the spiritual gifts were being used and misused and abused in the church at Corinth. And if Paul was concerned, it was because God was concerned about the way this was happening. And so a lot of space was taken in this letter to the Corinthians to deal with the issue of gifts. These are gifts, as they're described, to be given to the body of Christ as a whole. In other words, all of the body of Christ, everyone who has received Jesus Christ as Savior uh, and is part of the greater church, which is called his body, were to receive some of these gifts. Well, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11 lists uh, a number of them, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, the working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are listed in a very interesting passage that's fit within Paul's description of how the body of Christ is to function. Everyone is a member of one another. All of the parts of the body are important. Each part of the body is fitted together to build up and encourage the rest of the body. And so the, the misuse of gifts in the church at Corinth was a terrible travesty because it was tearing the body apart instead of harmoniously building the body together. Then we have in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 30, God's placement in the body of Christ, various gifted people somewhat like Dan described the situation in Ephesians. Mm -hmm. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then, gifts of healings. Helps. Administrations. Variety of tongues. Now, we're going to look at, as as we move along, we're going to look at how these passages help us to come to a conclusion 
as to whether the gifts cease or not. But what I'd like to do is to kind of finish the story by going on to say that as Paul came to the end of chapter 12, he said, let me show you a better way. And then all of chapter 13 is taken up with a description of what love is all about. Many people mistakenly take chapter 13 out of context and they think that all it's doing is describing love in beautiful terms. And it does describe love in beautiful terms. Mm -hmm. And it says that no matter what you do for the Lord, if there's no love, it's worthless. So that's a very important chapter to help us to understand love better. But it's fit right square in the middle of three chapters dealing with the misuse of tongues in the, or of uh, spiritual gifts in the church at Corinth. So then we come to the end of chapter 13, and we find that there's a list of things that are going to cease. We'll look at that list again the next time we get together, but I want to go on to 14 to tell you what he's doing there. In chapter 14, Paul goes on and says, all right, since you have been misusing the gift and creating confusion, and God is not a God of confusion, what should you properly do within the life of the church? How should you use the spiritual gifts in a way that will be proper, that will allow for interpretation, translation, give, uh, uh, bringing in those things that the Spirit has encouraged you to bring for the life of the church. All of this is presented in these three chapters in such a way as to say you've been misusing the gifts, destroying the body of Christ. You need to begin to use the gifts with love, and this is how the gifts are really supposed to be used in the life of the church. Wonderful chapters to help us to understand the, uh, the misuse and proper use of spiritual gifts. Just some comments on, I, first of all, I love how, how you can't separate those chapters. No. You can't, you can't pull them apart and look at them individually uh, because they tell a whole story there, which, uh, which is what we want to do. Uh, just at the beginning, though, um, the very beginning there uh, with chapter 12, starting in verse 4, it talks about the variety of the gifts, and mm -hmm. then it goes on and says, to another and to another and to another. And so it definitely gives the idea that not everybody has all of them, mm -hmm. right? Not, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's uh, uh, so, you know, one has this, and another has that, and another has that, and another has that. And so... Um, in in the list that's there of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, uh, different tongues, and different interpretation of tongues there in the early part of chapter mm -hmm. 12, it is not at any point saying that everybody would have gift of miracle, that everybody right. would have the gift of tongues, that everybody would have a word of wisdom, mm -hmm. that everybody would have a word of knowledge. It's not. And as you get into, into the later passages of, of this, the later section of this, it's saying, look, if nobody's there to interpret the tongues, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't use, use it. it. So obviously not everybody has the interpreted tongue because at that yeah. point, nobody there had it. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, that, that's yeah. what the fear is, right? Exactly. So, yeah. um, and so I think that you see the real 
the real problem the real problem even if the view is that the gifts are still in use mm -hmm. um, that's a real problem with the way it is implemented um, because um, the expectation that every believer would have tongues is not here. It's not here. It's not here. In fact, Paul actually asks, do all speak in tongues? Right. And he expects the answer. Right. It's a... No. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And so it, it, I love that this passage is so good because it does bring those, those uh, spiritual gifts that are there in, that early, in the early church. Um, but it's, it's, it's clear in the, in the very establishment of them that one would have this, one would have that, mm -hmm. one would have that, one would have that. And there would be a, a variety, a variety of these gifts. A variety of, of, of gifts. Of, of gifts, and yes. for, for a variety of ministries. And, and so that part is still a beautiful picture of today's church, that there is a variety of gifts for a variety of ministry that mm -hmm. goes on. Well, I think we're going to stop there, aren't we? Yep. Uh, we're going to stop there. We'll probably jump right back into this same passage uh, next time as we uh, talk through this. Uh, we might move on and come back to that passage. I'm not sure exactly how that'll work, but uh, it's good as we think about the gifts of the Spirit. You know, the, the Spirit of God is inside every believer and uh, wants to work in you and through you. How good it is um, to do a great work. Uh, to grow you and to help you to help others grow um, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's, that's the idea. So it's been good to be with you today. Uh, join us again next time as we walk through what the Spirit is doing in our lives. And uh, we hope to represent the Scriptures accurately because we know they're true. Jesus Christ has given his life for our forgiveness and eternal life, and then he's given us his Spirit to live out uh, fully this relationship with him. So uh, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free, feel free to email me at pd at crossbridgeindy.com. We'd love to hear from you anytime. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.